It's episode 281 of The Platformers, a show about games and nerd culture, and I am your host, Brian Barnett. I am Chris Cornelisa, gay Delphia. And I'm Will Berger. Hi. Hey, everybody. I'm going to raise this cocktail in your honor and uh, tell you that it's Will's fault that we're late. (laughs) It is my fault that we're late. It's 100% under the bus he goes. I volunteered to be thrown under the it's bus. For the record, did. Brian he, is not doing anything that I did not volunteer for. So. Yes, he volunteered. Will volunteers his tribute. In a show of solidarity, it was my fault last week, so I accept this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here with solidarity with Chris. That's what, that's what this is about, you know? We're not yeah. going to be on time. We might as well be in solidarity. Bros across the hemispheres. Exactly. There yes. Indeed. Indeed. It has nothing to do we... with anything other, you know, than my inability yeah, to be on time. Not. It's, it's completely based on solidarity. Yep. You better have yep. won those matches, man. No, I got I got cooked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? We I'll, I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. As somebody who lost Cheers, my man. last Street Fighter match of the day against Modern Jury, that kept me from that kept me from uh, ranking up twice in one day into bronze rank. But you know what? After the show, maybe I'll hit it again. Maybe I'll be able to get it. Because you know, I didn't even lose to Modern Marissa. Yeah. I, I don't feel terrible about the set. Like, it was close, but it was just one of those things where it was like, man, I dropped combos or I made dumb decisions. And it was like, all right, I see things that I can work on. That's <gasps> the best thing that you can you can have. We just got... I just got a notification that Zombie Kills has followed. Thanks. Hey. Thank also, you. thanks for the blue sky key. Thank you, Zombie You're the goat. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, but yeah, this is this is episode two eighty one, where we talk about fighting games and all sorts of stuff. And let me tell you, Street Fighter, hell of a game. The hell fighting of a game. games are eating at the moment. Yes, Street Fighter is, is yes. quite good. Once they fix that input reader, man. Oh my god, dude! It is so. It sucks. It it's sucks terrible. so bad. It's terrible. I feel vindicated that the anime players week one were like, something is wrong. And everybody yeah. else was like, no, it's fine. And then like two weeks later, they were like, wait a minute, something is wrong. It was like, yes, we told you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Nobody it's not great. Anime fighters. No, it's, they, they don't listen to us. But one day, one day they will. One day, maybe they will. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff this week. Uh, we could talk about fighting games. Do you want to go on a diatribe about that set, Will? No, it's okay. I've played this dude before a lot of times. He's good. I don't feel bad about yeah. it. You know, it's, it's one of those... I think this is a mindset, and I... Okay, I, w- I will use this as a segue to talk about mindsets about stuff, because I feel like this is a problem, especially in gaming, where people get really tilted, and I got tilted during that set, like 100%. Um, it's true. But I'm good now. And the most important thing you can do is, like, put it in a mindset, and I've already done this, of, like, all right, cool, I lost... So watch those replays, make adjustments. What do I need to do, right? Like fuzzy teching, fuzzy throwing, just things like that um, that I need to work on personally. And that's good. That's how you learn. And people get really frustrated, especially in multiplayer games. And what I would challenge everybody to do who listens to this, and if you see yourself in the I get frustrated because I also get frustrated. Um, but I've learned to let it go after the moment. Just be like, all right, you know what I lost? What do I need to work on? Right, and I feel like if you do Take that, you're gonna be a lot more happy. Time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're gonna be a lot happier in the competitive game of your choice, whether it's League or Guilty Gear or Street Fighter or you know Halo or Call of Duty or whatever it is. Right, Fortnite, whatever you play, just think about it that way, and you'll be happier. It's my advice for the week. 
Yeah, that was my mindset when I played um, MOBAs, starting with League and then um, Heroes of the Storm. It was always just, you know, I, be I became very zen about it. It's like, yep, I lost. What could I have done better? Mm -hmm. Disregard yeah. everybody else. It's like, I can't change anyone else. I can only change myself. I can influence, but that's about it. So it's like, all right, what did I do wrong? Where could I have gone bad or whatever? And yeah, so that's the way yeah. to do it. Just be chill about yeah, it. And, like, it sucks, and even going, but yeah. Yeah, and even going into it preemptively with, okay, I've got goals for this. So, like, one of my goals when I went on, because, like, I went, I played for, like, an hour or two. I don't remember, Will, if you remember how long I was playing, but I went, I was, I went from, what is it, rookie, uh, four-star rookie to five-star iron in Street Fighter, and I play Luke. So I went into the match being like, okay, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to confirm my drive impact combos in the corner. I want to be better at catching people in the air and I want to start using parry more. And so I didn't care whether I want, like, obviously I wanted to win, but I just went in and I was like, okay, if I do any of these things like better than I have before, I'm going to consider that like a big, big plus. It's and so then stone. you have, yeah, you have more, uh, more avenues to be happy about things than, you know, you would have before. You've got, you know, it's not just a binary of did I win the match or not? Okay, then I'm happy or not happy. It's like, okay, am I getting better at DPing people when they when they try to pressure me on my wake up or when they try to jump at me? Am I getting better at hitting people out of the air? Am I getting better at checking people's drive rush like buttons against me? Like I fought this Jamie and he did that at first and I got hit a bunch. But then it's like, all right, I'm going to block low. He's doing this thing, but it's unsafe. So I'm going to punish him afterwards. And then you just notice you start to keep a lookout for those sorts of things. So having an eye on like, don't, don't try to win, try to get better because you're going to lose a lot as you like, as you improve. But then as you get higher and higher in the ranks, those lessons, those little lessons that you've learned are going to help you hang, you know, with better players and playing against better players and getting those, those sorts of like tips from them has, has helped like just immensely. Yeah. Um, and, and even like, even playing Street Fighter and then going back to Guilty Gear, like Will told me, my neutral is a lot better. Like my ability to play and do footsies and stuff, it has improved just from playing like a different style of game. Yep, it's all practice. And the other thing is, and I would tell this to anybody, and this is this is true of anything. This is not just true of video games, but like you're gonna suck initially. And like this is something that like I had to learn doing writing fiction was you're gonna suck. Like you are gonna suck, and you have to turn out a lot of s shitty things to get good. And you're still going to write shitty things, but, like, just write the draft, man. Like, just do yeah. it. And, like, the first time you do anything, you're probably going to be bad at it. That's okay. Just keep going. Yeah. Practice, practice. What is Nothing it? What is, is it? created in a vacuum. Yeah. Sucking at something is the first step towards being kind of good at something. Yeah. Or uh, I like the Hemingway quote, the first draft of anything is shit. So, you know, write your shit. It's how you get the good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's better to get some, to, to do something and then be able to look back on it and improve than it is to just not do the thing. Having that paralysis of like, well, I don't want to do the thing until I can do it right. Because, and that is the thing that I deal with a lot. Like this is just general life advice. Like I have a lot of paralysis because of a fear of failure or because I want things to be perfect. Like I want to, I, when I do the thing, I want to do it the right way. And so a lot of times that will that will make me stop and not do something that I want to do. So one of the things I, there's a, um, 
a fighting games commentator called Sajam who has really good advice, which is he, I don't spend a lot of time in practice. I learn one combo. I learn like one like advantageous situation, and then I just go online and start playing people. I just do the thing, mm. and I I would recommend to people just do the thing. Um, it's hard to do it, but if you can get over that hump, I think it, it's it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. So that's our that's that, our little intro, our little fighting game intro for today. A real yes. talk for the week. Yep. Life advice from the Platformers podcast. Okay, so I've played uh, a lot more of Aliens Dark Descent, that so I want to talk about that. Is so Please cool. do. And Will actually hung out with me, so we can kind of ping pong back and forth yes. on this. So I finished the first area and and uh, have made a bit of progress into the second area, and I think it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. I like it a lot. Um, I think that this is... Probably my favorite version of the XCOM-like formula. Um, I actually do prefer the kind of live movement uh, with either pauses to use like your like active abilities or things like this. Mm. Uh, I think I prefer this to moving each person turn by turn, point by point, just between cover and all this sorts of things. I think I think I prefer this. Um, but in, in, in a lot of ways, it is, it is incredibly similar to XCOM. Like you will saw, like you go back to base in between missions, you're going to the barracks, you're going to the med bay, you're going to all these different things. You're going to the tech lab to do research. Like there's tons of stuff that you're doing. Um, you know, missions load up like XCOM back at the base. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot like XCOM, um, and after each mission, you can promote uh, your people a lot like XCOM. But uh, I believe in XCOM, your abilities are automatic. Whereas in uh, in Aliens Dark Descent, you pick them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, they, you, you pick some... them in... Um, you usually get like two options for a level up. And then you can uh, pick one or the other for each okay. uh, character class. In, this is in the XCOM reboots, obviously. Um and yeah, and then some of the advanced classes in War of the Chosen are like a more filled out skill tree kind of thing, which you can pick and choose. But uh, yeah, the the core of it is no, you get two when you level up, and then you pick from one, and then you can build like into okay. two kind of um, distinct <laughs> character play th- uh, play styles. Like for example, your uh, your gunslinger guy or your sniper. It's like you choose one or the other, or you yeah. mix and match. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true here. Also, uh, when you level up the first time, you get um, you get you get to choose one of three passive abilities, um, and then um, you can promote at level three. Um, so that will give you the two options random. Um, so like uh, right now, I have a Tekker, I've got a medic, I've got a like a gunner that has like the smart the smart gun, uh, the smart rifle. I forget what it's called. Will. Um, the smart, smart, smart gun. Yeah. Uh, so I've got that, and then I've got a sergeant as well. So um, when you level up after that, you can choose um, further. Like you can choose more abilities that unlock. I think at like one, three, five, six, eight, and ten, or something. There's some like spread of like when they unlock, and then you spend some of your resources to add them. Um, oh, interesting. Oh, hold on. 
Somebody's telling me they're not uh, they're not hearing things. Hold on. Oh no. Uh oh. That's no good. Me. It's not. It was me. It's got to be me. It's not my fault. I promise. Uh. Check 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 check. All right, you guys, I need you to talk. What up? Uh, I can talk. Hello. Hi. I can talk. I can speak. I can speak with the words of wisdom. I can sing. Oh, that was nice, on. actually. That was good. I like that. Thank you. I can't actually sing for shit, but I'm capable of occasionally. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Dang no. it. I hate to stop the show to fix this, but I don't know I don't know how to fix it. Uh, that is what it is. We're still recording, so. We are still recording, but that sucks. Why isn't it working? It's worked every other single time. Because I can hear you I've just fine, so it's just I don't know what the Yeah, it's not going through on the stream. Yeah. Is it uh, drawing from like a different sound device thing, like a default thing? Okay, now okay, interesting, interesting. Alright, Mum Jum, tell me tell me do you hear it? Oh, I fixed it for a second? But dead again. Oh, damn it. Okay. Do Not check, check, check stuff, guys. Check, check, chickity check. Chickity Testing check, one, check, two, check. three. Okay, so I think I fixed you guys. Okay, now I gotta fix me. I have been fixed. And check, check, check. Check. Am I fixed? Am I a real boy at last? Oh my god. What? We're doing it. We're becoming mighty. Look, I'm check. not gonna check. I'm, check. I'm not gonna feel bad about this. Did I do it? Did I actually fix it? Oh my god! Here we go. Let's Push get buttons. it. Oh my god! So we started. We started, and we had like a grip of people. We had a grip of people on uh, on the stream, and then a bunch of people left. And I was like, "Wait, why did you leave? I thought we were having a good discussion." It was because nobody could fucking hear us. Ugh. Anyways, so bizarre. Did you figure out? Like, did you actually figure out what it was? Or I don't no know. No idea. I okay. like. I, it, it's literally like, it was in the. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, there we go. Zombie, thank you for being here. I thanked you earlier in the show, but now that you can actually hear us, here we go. And you were cooking. What are you cooking? What are you cooking? Let us know, because. I'm, my wife is cooking downstairs. She's cooking Krabby Patties, which is what we call, uh, uh, I think, turkey turkey burgers. So she makes these, like, these like um, ground turkey patties, and then we eat them with, like, lettuce wraps and then, like, all the other, uh, like, normal burger things. And let me tell you, that shit is delicious. Just don't tell me. Oh, you're baking bacon? Nice. Nice. What type of bacon? Pork, like... Pork, uh, pig bacon, or turkey bacon, or other stuff like that. I know turkey bacon is like is like frowned upon. Like people don't like it. I love that shit. My mom cooked that a lot when we were growing up, and I just I adore it. I think it's fantastic. What gets me is just the uh, style of like um, bacon that's typically done in America. Is you guys do the rashes, and that's basically it. That's less rashes? common. Rashers, whatever you want to call oh, them, strips. The the you know the oh yeah yeah. 
Like rashers, man, that's so much cooler than the way that we say it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like bacon strips. But yeah, most bacon we get here is like middle bacon, so it tends to be thicker, less rindy. It's you know you can still get strips, and you can get strips of that, but it tends to be like more meaty comparatively. Whereas you guys always do the bacon strips, and they always tend to be very crispy. And I'm like, hmm, that's very interesting. This is something I noticed when I was over there. So that's so interesting because I feel like if I got if I always got crispy bacon, I would order bacon a lot more because I typically so I typically go sausage uh, because I find bacon to be really inconsistent because I don't like the floppy like very fatty bacon that my dad likes. I actually like it really lean and a little bit crispier. I need if that lean stuff burnt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, when I lift it up, I want it to be like a playing... Like, I want it to be like I'm lifting up my phone. Like, I want it to be stiff like this. I don't want it to be all floppy. Well, that's the kind oh. of... Um, yeah, that's the kind of bacon I most got when I was... Anytime I've been in America and eating that food, it's like, that seems to be what your go-to is. I'm like, hmm, you can certainly get it here, <laughs> but it's just a different cut. So it's... Go figure. <laughs> Keylock in the chat says no comments. Yeah, I thought I thought that I was letting my I was leaving myself out there. I'm sparing uh, you. I'm sparing you. They can they can cut into it all you want. I'm just here's I'm just here to shit talk American bacon. That's that's my here's true what I'm, Here's what I'm trying to say, Mikey, is I like my meat hard and that's what I like. <laughs> Please do not no leave your comment. stiff floppy desires out there. Yeah, I don't want it floppy. I want my meat hard, all right? And if you're giving me meat, I want it to be hard. You know, because that's when I like to put it in my mouth. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Is that so? Is that so hard to say? <laughs> no, that that honestly sounds. I, if you're into that, I'm sure it's preferable. <laughs> I'll take my meat how I can get it. Thank you. All right. Um, back to the point of the <laughs> back podcast, to video games, <laughs> uh, which is video games and nerd culture for all of you who are listening, yes. who who are sitting here being. Uh, having to listen to Brian talk about the kind of meat he does and does not like in his mouth. So how about Overcooked? <laughs> great game. Great, great game. It is a great game. It is a great game. Can you tell that I have not had dinner, but I'm sipping on a cocktail during the show? <laughs> Anyways. Aliens are aliens. Mom's jumping in the chat. Says, <clears throat> I came back to Brian talking about floppy meat. Good timing. Yes, it is. You but, know uh, what you're here couldn't for. be better. Could not be better. This is the platformers, the official floppy meat podcast. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So there's two things that we've established in the last two weeks. One, that Final Fantasy X is the official Final Fantasy game of the platformers podcast, and that this is the official podcast where you come for all your floppy meat needs. I think right, we're back to aliens. What the, what the podcast title is going to be, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, one thing thing that I really appreciate, and this is a big difference between Aliens Dark Descent and XCOM games and other like strategy games, is that you are, and this is a different, this is a key difference that we, that we learned as Will and I kind of talked through things while I was playing it and streaming it to him on Discord earlier today, is that um, Aliens Dark Descent expects you to extract mid-mission. Like, you don't have to do everything on the mission in one go, which is good because there's in the first, uh, well, after the tutorial, the first major area has 14 objectives. Um, and things are gonna get dicey if you try to do all those at once. Like I've played, I've played the first chapter on both, 
uh, normal mode, like medium difficulty and story difficulty. And basically the only real difference is that um, things are just a hair easier. But um, typically that means that you can uh, finish a mission with fewer extractions than you would need to on higher difficulty modes. Um, things uh, are easier to stealth by, which is nice. Um, and your people are a little bit hardier, but they can still absolutely just be killed immediately out of nowhere. Like that's excellent. I was walking. Yeah. I was walking through an area, but actually the, th the thing in this game is that it feels more fair than XCOM because like in XCOM, you're moving character by character, turn by turn. So you can move somebody. And if you just move them a little bit too far and plant somewhere that can like, you know, you can awaken a nest of like four aliens and then they just kill you, you know, and that's just kind of like they get like reaction actions or whatever. Um, and then you're just dead. The thing about aliens is it's it's like real time. So if you run into somebody, you can like, OK, I'm going to pause or yeah. slow down, backpedal. OK, start shooting. So it, it feels a lot more fair. Like it feels like you're not going to get yourself into a position where there was somebody and you didn't know and you can't do anything like there's some of some of that is going to give like you're either going to know they're there before you get there or you can do something about it to prep or you can react as it happens now sometimes it's not enough like i let so i i had two people opening boxes and i set the other person because i thought it was empty the area that i was going to i set somebody to walk around the corner to get to like the uh, a, like a computer terminal or something to start opening a gate that I needed to, and as I did, there were four people around the corner, which is too many people for one person to handle. Um, I think I was already down one person. Will I don't know if you remember if I was already down one person in the second area. Yeah, uh, yeah, you were. So yeah, I was down. I was down one person. One person had just been straight up killed, um, and then I walked around the corner. Um, and there were two people that were opening boxes and were like a little bit away. And then when they ran into four people, it was just four people that had like melee weapons. And it was just, it was just all she wrote. That was it. Mm -hmm. Um, which sucked, but like, it's rare. Like I've been playing this game for actually, let me open steam and see like how long I've been playing this game for. I think it's like a few hours at this point, having replayed like uh, a bit of the uh, first game, because one thing that I don't like is that you can't adjust the difficulty setting after you start the game. So if you want to change difficulty, you have to start all over, which is kind of obnoxious. Yeah, that's an XCOM um, staple as well, but yeah. Okay. So I've been playing for 8.8 .8 hours on steam. So that is, that is um, playing the tutorial twice and playing the first uh, area of the game twice and then getting into the second area in the game. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I dig it. Uh, aliens can also like just straight up, like abduct your troops. Like they can just grab your people and then run away. Um, and then they're gone forever. Um, one thing I also think is, is interesting is that resources are hard to come by and the economy in this game is actually really well balanced, which I was talking to Will about earlier. You've got your like tools which you can have i think four of by default you can have four med kits by default um and you can pay like your your resource uh which is like a little box icon uh just your resources you can pay like 
10 or 20 of those to like stock up on those before a mission, or you can acquire them on site. So um, depending on how you want to handle your resources, you can kind of make it more difficult and then be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to like scout more and find more med kits and tools and stuff. Actually, once I get to the level or I'm going to go in like fully stocked and like really, I have know, an objective. I'm going to accomplish it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think that they've elegantly balanced the, uh, the system. I was, I was telling, uh, telling Will while we were talking about it, like the, the crazy thing about aliens, dark descent is that they did all the hard stuff. Like, all the stuff that games usually screw up on, they nail. Like, atmosphere, um, the game is pretty polished. I've heard some people talk about having bugs. I've only had one bug in the game so far, and I've played for almost 10 hours. Um, and it, it was not, like, game-breaking. I just had to exit the game and come back in, uh, and it was fixed. It was just, like, a weird mouse stickiness when I had, like, a mandatory objective on the map or something. And I, like, just wasn't able to click on the area it wanted me to. But other than that, I haven't encountered anything. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's also very interesting the way that they balance difficulty. Because the longer you stay in a level and the more that you are seen by aliens and the more that you kill aliens, the more experience you get, but the harder things get. Um, so as long as, like, after you're seen by an alien, there's a certain amount of time during which the hive will be sending out a hunt for you and if you remain unseen uh for like i don't know like maybe a minute or something uh it it's cut off and it stops and the entire time that you're being hunted the difficulty is slowly creeping up there's a meter there's a big long meter where it's like easy uh for this and then the next block is medium and then the next block is hard uh and by that point uh in the first mission if you don't have leveled up people, they'll be like, okay, your, your survival rate is like near 0%. So you need to get out. And then it, it, you know, it behooves you to extract via your APC to the ship and then, you know, promote your characters, pick your upgrades, send them to the med bay, you know, stay there for a couple of days, like get through their like injuries and, and things like that. Uh, at which point you can like fast forward and pick like little, um, they're, they're not quite like the XCOM dispatch missions, and they're not really like the like Frostpunk dispatch missions, But because they seem to automatically be completed. Mm -hmm. But basically, it'll pop up and be like, hey, if you don't want to go out on your, like, on your actual mission and like play the game, you can choose one of these things where it's like, okay, you can't go out for today, but you can send somebody out, and maybe they'll be able to harvest 50 resources. Or they'll be able to bring back like one engineer that you can put to work or one additional medic that you can have to heal people, you know, on your off days and stuff like that. So it, having that balance between those two things where you're doing like resource gathering with your troops on the ground and when you're doing it where it's like, oh, okay, I'm biding my time. I'm going to have them healing up in the med bay and I'm just going to like do these like kind of auto missions. Um, I, I really found that to be like kind of a nice like rhythm breaker to be like, all right, I'm going to take a breather. I'm not going to be super tense and watching for fucking face huggers running across the walls at me. You know, all this sort of stuff. Like, I, I, I really dig that. Yeah, that does sound um, like a good balance. Like, XCOM 2 did have, as you said, like the dispatch missions and, you know, flying around the map. And I got to sit at this point for five days total. It doesn't have to be, you know, 
um, cumulative and then it just then I get this reward or this thing or whatever and you're doing that in between waiting for the alert missions or biding your time for research and development and such to be done so you can tackle some of the more objective missions that you have discovered so yeah something like that is what I'm getting at yeah and you have like a a, a big like I definitely leaned into my same four characters that I was using for a while so I basically just bided my time and was like, all right, I'm going to do a couple of these like easy, like binary dispatch missions while I wait for my like main four people to get like done. But now they're like level four, level five, something like that, level four or level three or something. And so now I'm like, all right, they're pretty set. They're pretty good. I'm going to start building out like another team Mm -hmm. of four you know, and, and kind of see where that takes me so that I can kind of ping pong between two, like, set squads. Um, yeah. Bring two elites like and two squaddies. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the... I ended up taking one one and three. Uh, and then one of the one of the red shirts, like, just immediately ate it. <laughs> Which, like, is, is going to happen. It's going to yeah, happen. It's... Uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. There's also some elements where, like, I, I'm, I'm curious. I don't expect them to play into it, but this was something uh, that I thought about earlier, which is uh, there's a character that gets abducted early in the first mission. Dep- well, I guess it might not be early. Depending on when you go and see them, it might be early. But because you have a flexibility where, like, if you're good, you could actually do the entire first mission in one go. It's just really hard. Mm-hmm. And you have to do stealth, basically. Like, if you're running and gunning, like, it's going to be harder for you. It's it's easier to sneak around. Um, and then it'll stay easy for longer. Um, but based on the timing, it was actually... One of the characters got abducted, one of the NPCs. And then I saved them, like, later on in the mission. And I was wondering, wait a second, did they get, like, face-hugged? Is this going to be a problem later in the story? But the difference between, like, I theoretically, I could have, she could have been abducted and then I saved her, like, a half hour later in, like, real time. Or it could have been that I, she got abducted and then I saved her, like, five days later. And so I'm wondering if that has, like, if, if this is all scripted or if there is some element of it that is, like, I guess, not procedurally generated, but, like, determinate on the amount of time that it takes you to do these sorts of things. If that's the case, then this is a way more impressive game, I think. I don't think there's anything wrong with it being scripted. I think that's totally fine. Um, I just think that... if it accounts for it, then yeah. If it accounts for it, then that is, like, way over the top. Like, you did not have to go that hard. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if that, if that ends up being the case. Um, but yeah, like, other, other than that, like, I just... I, I can't... Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Like it's, you know, Will's preview, obviously like, you know, we, we, we played it at PAX. I watched it at PAX. It look it's freaking beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, aliens fans have kind of either Been kind of suffering. gotten, <laughs> gotten shit on or have had like really mixed bag offerings like alien isolation, which is like really good, but like way too long. And like, it's great maybe, up until it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if Alien like, Isolation was eight hours instead of fourteen hours, it would be one of the greatest games ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, I was talking to Ryan McCaffrey about that, and he, he was basically like, yeah, if it was five hours and it ended after you escaped the first alien, it would be godlike. Like, it would, mm-hmm. be, really, it would be really great. You could have done but the same just, ending, too. That's the funny part, because it's the same situation. <laughs> they yeah. just do it twice. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and it's just like... But, I mean, that is that really is the modern gaming... The problem with modern games is that they just overstay their welcome. Um, Quite which a few is crazy, do, yeah. because another problem in modern gaming is that games take too long to make and cost too much money. You could literally solve both of these problems at once. It's incredible. You could. You could just make a you shorter game. You just need game. to do it. Just it's make just, a shorter, yeah. more focused, less scope-crept game. But back in the day, people did want the big forever games. You know, we wanted, like, the big open worlds and the, wow, we can go anywhere. We can explore all this. You know, we wanted your average Bethesda game kind of thing. And then when every game is like that, we're just like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Ubisoft, please when stop. It- stop. Far Cry does please. not need to be Assassin's please. Creed. Please, the crew does not need to be Assassin's Creed. Just stop. Yeah, and yeah. We only and then we're just like, okay, world. fine, we're done. Back to Citizen Sleeper and you know smaller games. <laughs> we only need one open world game, and it's Watch Dogs. And I'll brook no argument. I'll just assume that you all agree with me, and we're gonna move on. But yeah, no, it is. That doesn't it sound is, like Elden Ring. <laughs> that is such a like, weird. That's such a weird hill to die on. Watch Dogs. I know. Watch of all just, the open world games, like. It, it, Here's, Ubisoft, here's fine, the wonderful whatever. thing. All of them? He, really? Here's the great thing about some of the stuff that I say. Even I don't agree with it. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, you listen. Say, you listen. say it to say it. Listen. I mean, Will, you and I have talked about this on this very show. There are two open world ga- Actually, now three. There are three open world games this generation that needed to be open world. And two of them are Zelda games, and one of them is Elden Ring. Elden Ring, yes. Here's the thing, though. If But... The thing that you do that doesn't make sense is you're like, oh yeah, it should be Watchdogs, and it's like, bro, that's a dumb hill to die on. At least you're dead, I guess. But come on, it's true. It's true. Sometimes I only say things to troll people. Sometimes I don't even mean it. Okay. We, we do. do a we bit do. Of we do what we must. Just a little bit of trolling for fun, please, sir. But yeah. But I mean, I I will I will say. I do think that Watch Dogs is better than GTA, and I'll just leave it there. You know what else is better than Sleeping... Uh, you know what else is better than GTA and has dogs oh, in the spo- title? Sleeping spoiled- Dogs, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you spoiled the punchline. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a poor man's yeah. like a dragon slash Yakuza. <laughs> yes, yes. The crazy thing about it is when I played GTA and then played Watch Dogs, I was like, wait a second. Why does Watch Dogs have better driving than the game that literally has Grand Theft Auto in the title? Like, you literally invoke cars in the title, and your driving is bad. And the driving because in Watch Dogs is actually good. Because a lot of the gameplay in, like, average GTA games hasn't improved all that much. Like, yeah. this was the major complaint of even as far oh, as recently as, like, Red Dead Redemption 2. It's like, Rockstar's games don't feel that great in terms of gameplay and stuff. They get by on everything else. The vibe, the mood, yeah. the freedom, whatever else they were doing, you know? The, the budget, the, the scope. The, yeah, the, the sheer, scope and the budget, yeah. The sheer human suffering that you can see pouring out of the screen it took to make that game. <laughs> You're not I mean, wrong. Yeah. You're really not wrong. Right. Look, if you go play Red Dead Redemption 2 right now, even though that game is, like, what, four or five years old? Um, you can see, like, the budget. And you can see, yeah. like, yeah. how many people missed their children's birthdays for this game. So It's true. Sadly, it is true. 
But yeah, one, I've, I've said this a bunch of times, but I'll say it again. I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is way more impressive than it is good. Oh, yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I have a, my other thing is I think Rockstar has exactly one game that plays well. And it's Max it Payne 3. No, it's Max Payne 3. I knew. Okay. I mean, yeah, Bully's all right, but like Max Payne 3 is probably it in terms of actual gameplay, yeah. I think Red Dead 1 is the only Rockstar game I've ever actually beat. Every other game just like overstayed its welcome. The Act 2 problem. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Rockstar. We're, we're here not here to talk about Rockstar. I mean, we, we can are if here. we want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is true. It's our that show. Is true. We, we can do what we want. <laughs> we, can, we can talk about that. We can talk about that. Anyways, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm here to say uh, that I love video games in a major way. <laughs> Um, no, I think, I think you guys should play if you're, if you're into, if you're into aliens at all, you need to get aliens dark descent because I think one of the things, I don't think I actually finished my thought previously, but for a long time, aliens fans have either gotten really bad games or games that are like good, but with like, with asterisks against it, good or or like, you know, at the end. But I think that Aliens Dark Descent is at least the first Aliens game that I have played that is just flat out fantastic. Um, It's the first one where, like, I don't have any caveats to my recommendation. It's just awesome. Um, Which is nice. Like, as as somebody who, like, I'm not not a diehard Aliens fan. Like, Will is way more the, he's, he's the platformer's resident Aliens super fan. I am an aliens enjoyer. I like alien stuff. Likewise. I have not, I've not seen all of them. I've seen one, two, and I think part of resurrection and that's it. You know, and I've seen some of a lot of the recent ones. Let's be real. I've seen, I think I saw AVP one and two in the theaters. I think those are the I only did, yeah. aliens <laughs> movies that I've seen actually theatrically, uh, which is probably, probably very insulting to a, an uh, aliens. Yeah. Actual I saw Prometheus. Fans, I saw Prometheus in theaters, but uh, that's yeah, I think, Honestly, at this point, I might have seen all of them just through re-releases. But you know what? AVP movies are great trash. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, they're fun. AVP they're, 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 they're great trash. <laughs> you know what's really funny? Actually, Aliens vs. Predator games are basically like Final Destination with Aliens. Yes. Basically. Talk to me about AVP 2, people. Yeah. That's a no, good that, game. That's a good-ass That is a good-ass game. <laughs> I, I was just like, I swear I played this in high school, and it's so little... So little of it ever comes up. I'm like, does this game actually exist? Was I just having a fever dream? No, no. And then I, I you specifically went, hey, here it is. Here's a link. I'm like, savior. I'm going to replay that someday. Yeah, that game yeah. is... That game is, And that's the thing that you can't get. There's no, You can't buy that game. Like, there's, yeah. um, there, there's a fan project that has basically re-released it that you can get, but there is no official legal... legal there's no storefront where you can go purchase AVP2, and it's a It's crime. all perfectly which is, legal. Which it's is all an increasing, you know, problem in the space in general. It's like, this was a touch point that we could have talked about last week, but I'm going to bring it forward here. It's like, we can still talk about it now. We can, absolutely. Yeah, the somebody actually crunched the numbers on it, and it's something like 87% of all video it games is. made... Are not before twenty ten currently before twenty ten yep yep which is a crying shame like I mean most really of, sad a lot more of those are accessible through you know most of them are seaworthy and such yarhar fiddledy d um, but like <laughs> if you want to actually go and support them well I mean they're not getting paid for it anyway so you might as well just go do this right it is yeah. Yeah. it is morally acceptable to do that but 
it's still just such a crying shame, you know, that this kind of thing isn't yeah. more readily available and put in, you know, put in people's faces, put in storefronts and such. So if you're interested, you have to go digging, and then you have to go digging for an actual copy. It's like you have to be, you know, the kind of loser enthusiast like yours truly, who was around for the era to go, oh yeah, I remember that thing. I'm going to go look into it and then go through there. Cause, yeah, or every, you have to be one of those sickos that like, oh, the eShop is closing. Let me buy everything on it. Or like the PS3 store, like, yeah, Jesus. still has a <laughs> bunch of stuff that is, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Who was that? Was that Jeff Grubb? I, I forget know. who that was. Somebody bought like literally every game on the on the, e on the, on the 3DS yeah. store. Yeah, it was and like the, 35k or something. It was ridiculous. It's, oh, it's yeah. an outrageous amount of money. And like even a lot of the stuff that got re-released in the PS3 era or the 360 era just is not playable now. Like. If you yeah. want to go play Armored Core 1, hey, the only way you can do that without, you know, downloading an emulator is buying it on the PS3. If you want to play Alundra, which is a really cool game, the only way you can Alundra do that is, cool. is on the PS3. Like, Yeah. I saw somebody post something that I, I thought was a very interesting idea, and I, I don't know who we would need to push to get this, but um, they basically said if something gets taken down it might have actually been for movies but i think it works for games as well like i think it was it was to like combat the like systematic dismantling of warner brothers where they're basically just like destroying and removing things uh from marketplaces for like tax write-offs or something mm. or like canceling movies or whatever uh, somebody said that, like, basically, if something gets delisted for monetary reasons or if it gets delisted at all, like, if, if a game is no longer purchasable, uh, it instantly goes into the public domain. And I thought that is a fantastic idea. I wonder if yeah. that's true. No, no, no. I mean, this no, was a suggestion, this is a suggestion of, like, oh, this is not true. In they're, which they're case, like, I fully is, support that, yeah. yeah. This is what should happen is basically when something is not commercially available anymore it instantly goes into the public domain uh and then and then it's not piracy anymore it's just public district it's fair use public distribution yeah which i think would be fantastic i think that is like we would have to figure out a way to make that happen but i think that would be awesome if you have yeah. an issue with it well keep it available for people to buy Lie. looking at you Lie. nintendo yeah. And the other thing is, is, like, a lot of companies have done that. Like, hi res when they uh, they made every Tribes game, mm -hmm. you can just go download it. It's, like, they, it's on Tribes Universe. You can just pick them up, and those games still rock. Uh, yeah. All the marathon games are available that way. There's a few old oh, PS2. Oh, really? Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, that Bungie has made available. There's some really cool old PS2 games that are, like, not really... I mean, they're really good, but they're not... Like, the studios that made them are not around anymore, and so they've just been publicly re-released as, like, ISOs. Um, I think um, so, Westwood did yeah. similar with the early Command & Conquers. They just went, you know, free on the internet for a while. You can still buy them nowadays through, like... Because they got purchased by EA. You can still buy them through that, and obviously the remasters... You can get some of them on GOG. Yeah, you yeah. can get the base ones for really cheap, and if not, um, completely free. free. So yeah. yeah, I know you can get Tiberian some for free. So you can, yeah. Oh, yeah. yo, hell yeah, dude! I never actually played that one. I used to That's have good. that. That's real good. It's, it's real good. Um, and you know when Blizzard made uh, StarCraft Remastered, StarCraft One is free now that you can just mm -hmm. go download it and play it. Uh, yeah. Same with Diablo Two, I think. Um, you can just go play Diablo Two. Uh, so like more people need to do I, that. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that was if that was 
if they made that one free or if they just made it where if you had it on your Battle.net account, then you just got it when they released think, it on, on yeah. the Blizzard store. I don't know which one that was because it was free to me, but I also owned it digitally. Yeah, I, I already owned it, so it's hard for me to say. But um, Okay. Yeah. All right. So we can't confirm that one. But they have made a bunch of their old stuff like Rock and Roll Racing and stuff available on their website yeah. for free. So. Which is cool. Yeah. yeah I, the original I Diablo still costs like five bucks on GOG, but that's about it. But at least you can yeah. get it. But you, you can, can get, get it. it. You can get it, and you should, because it's really interesting to see how far we've come. Still yeah, a fun game. I'm not, I'm not going to advocate that people like actually go play Diablo 1 for fun, because it's very, very... It's, oh, no. Video games so don't far. age. <laughs> video games are the same as they've always been, just like books and films and everything else. Uh, but we have come a long way since Diablo 1. Yeah. I like the way how you've put it. Our standards have improved a lot. And if you're going yeah. to Diablo 1 with modern standards, you're going to be like, what is this? But it is still like, interesting to just see the tone, the atmosphere, the soundscape in particular. Oh, the soundscape. It's just yeah. cool to see. It's like, wow, they pulled this off in like, you know, late 90s. It's, and, then, and then to see the leap from that to Diablo 2 is like, holy shit, that's impressive. Yeah, it's... Oh, it's yeah, I would love to see uh, a remaster or remake of Diablo 1 because the I, the idea of Diablo 1 I think is actually my favorite of any of them. It's like, simple. It's, so, it's stripped back and it's just one place, one location. It keeps descending. It, is so it gets worse. Focused. Yeah, yeah it's it really is cool. so focused. I love it. And as, you know, when we talked about Diablo 4 on the spoiler cast, which you should watch if you haven't watched cuz it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, you um, should. Yeah. Uh, but Diablo 1 is... We talked about, you know, Diablo 4 being dark. Diablo 1 is a dark game. And not just yeah. I'm talking about, like, the lighting. I'm talking about, like, tonally. It is depressing. Because yeah. you get to the end of Diablo 1 and you're like, I think I made things worse, actually. Uh, yeah. I may <laughs> Which, have so, just fucked Spoilers! <laughs> spoilers! You did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for anybody who's spoilers played uh, Diablo for, 2, you know, a you 30 know year how old that game, goes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is. Maybe don't stick the worse. demon rock in your skull. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> not maybe not the best idea. You know? Yeah, it hasn't been the greatest thing that we've ever done. You know. I'm sure that's going to work out so well in Diablo Four. Yeah. Uh, sure. Terrible. Terrible. I think the season of that drops tomorrow. I'm keen. It drops very very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the twenty-first. Yeah. Something or like the that. Twentieth. Yeah. yeah, it's it's within it's in the next week. So. Yes, well, which is funny time because I play not... aliens before that. Then, yeah. Yes, plenty of time <laughs> to play aliens, and uh, or if you're like me, try to finish FF16. Yeah, because we're prepping, uh, and we will do this soon. We're going to do a Final Fantasy 16 spoiler cast. Um, I don't know what week that will be. There's a there's a, a small likelihood that it will be next week's episode uh, because there is a thing that is going to be happening in two weeks where we're going to have a, a couple of guests on for. Uh, so that would actually probably fit, but I'm not sure if that's going to work that way because I still need to see how many people finish FF16 before Monday of next week. Credits uh, need we'll, to be rolled. Indeed. Roll indeed, the credits. Yeah. I will sit back and watch from the peanut gallery. You guys have fun with that. Yeah. One yeah. day it'll be on PC. One day. One day. But and that's, hey, when that happens, it'll run at 60 frames a second. Hey. Yeah. Look, I'm gonna. I, I am. I'm, I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a second. Can I get on my soapbox for a second? Please. You know what? Well, we'll hold on. Let me wheel out the soapbox for you, because you, you stand up on this and you tell the people what you got to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think uh, 
the same thing with Diablo. I think, like, this year has been really blessed in terms of, like, sequels that have done their franchises uh, very well, especially if their last game was not super well-received. Uh, Street Fighter VI, Diablo IV, um, Final Fantasy XVI. But the problem with it is, and normally I am not a frame rate guy, I think you only need it for games that have, like, very intense... Uh, action where you need to be, you know, very precise with your inputs, fighting games, action games. But Final Fantasy 16 being essentially an action game has a problem where the performance mode does not run at 60 frames a second, which is yeah, a crazy and b like I respect, you know, what Square Enix has done to make that game look the way that it does. Um and like there's some very impressive dynamic uh resolution stuff going on there. Like it is very technically impressive. But the problem with it is that uh when it doesn't run at 60 frames a second, it makes it very difficult to do certain things on time because the game is very based on, like, precision dodging or parrying or whatever. And if your frame rate is, you know, doing between, like, 40 to 50, 50 to 60 all the time, then it's very difficult to get that timing right because the timing is, you know, very tight. It's, you know, the parry, I think, is, like, a, a three or four frame window. It's not, it's not easy to do. It takes practice. So... I don't know. It's just... At the very least, be consistent. Like, yeah. be stable. Yeah. Don't fluctuate. Be stable. Yeah, like... If, if you, you have to do 30, then you better not fucking drop it ever. Yeah, and the graphics yeah. mode does have a very stable 30. Um, But the problem with it is, like, that game has a lot of motion blur, which admittedly now you can turn off. But it looks, you know, you, you turn your camera and you're like, oh my god, my eyes. Um, yeah, I definitely turned off motion the motion blur, blur but it definitely... Uh, it was covering. It was covering for him for a bit. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I think FF16 is is a good game, and I'm excited to talk more about it. Maybe even today. But I do wish that. I think one of the big things that I wish more people were talking about is the performance mode in that game. When a game that needs that much precision just doesn't have it, that's that's a shame. I mean, yeah. If you want to, we can go into that right now. I'm prepared to talk about it. We can go into FF16 right now. Transition into Final Fantasy 16. Yes. Let's do it. Segway. So I am I am over halfway uh, through the game right now, which I think last time we recorded, I had literally only done like the intro. What, what was the last? Uh, what was the last um, summon you fought? This is not a spoiler, by the way. Like you know, you're gonna uh, fight all in of in this game. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to fight Titan. Okay, so you're you're pretty you're pretty you you've still got a ways to go yet. Um, but yeah, I, I, you fight Titan and take his stuff like you do with all the other summons. What? Uh, no way. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah. is, that fight is crazy. Um, anyway, Te- I mean, te- technically, I guess the, the last, I mean, I guess if you really, if you really, really, really don't want any spoilers at all, then. Bye guys. It's been fun to have don't, you. Don't, don't, don't listen for like 30 seconds or skip ahead 30 seconds. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Okay, the last one that I fought was the Living Flame. Okay, yep, yep. Interesting fight. Um, Titan is. I don't want to. I don't obviously don't want to spoil it for you, Brian. But it is one of the most impressive spectacles I think I've ever seen in a video game. It is uh, because of what I saw of Titan in the intro. I kind of expected that. Yeah, uh, it, it is what people think the Kronos fight in God of War 3 is. I mean, the Kronos fight is good. The, the problem with the Kronos fight, right? Like, it's cool as Wait, a Wait, isn't that, isn't that God of War 2? No, it's 3. 
What's the one in what's the one in one? Is there a big one in one? Or is it literally just three? Uh I mean I can't remember. One only has like three bosses. Three? One one only has like three bosses. It has the Hydra, it has Ares, and it has somewhere. The one where you're like running up his arms like for half the fight and then you know is that I think that's the one in three? That's correct. That's almost yeah. certainly two or three, yeah. Yeah, I think oh. the big spectacle fight in two is the Colossus of Rhodes, which is the first fight in the game. I can't remember if it's that or the other one. Anyways, it's a it's a big boy fight. It's a big boy fight. But the problem with Kronos, right, is you're not actually fighting Kronos. You're just kind of, like, dealing with the little irritating dudes that he spawns while you're w- walking on his body, right? And it's very impressive. Yeah. Big arm, you know, big arm, stuff's moving. But it's not actually a fight against him. It's not the a Titan, the Colossus boss. No, it's not. The Titan fight is a fight against Titan. It is not Titan's mooks that you are fighting. It is Titan. And the scale on that, with when you realize how big the stuff is in that fight is just bonkers i don't know how they did it it is it is, Which is crazy insane. because spoilers your thing is not that big yeah ifrit is uh he's, he's a pretty he's a decently sized lad you know he's not small he's, but he's big but he's not titan big he's historically the first summon slash icon slash whatever you fight in in your average final fantasy game he's yeah. like a level 20 boss in ff14 right like he's he's one of the beginning ones that's specifically a point that they made it's like we want him to be the main character because he doesn't get to show off or get to you know style on people yeah. often he he's never usually gets to be great he's, he's usually stone. he's usually jobbing you know i was i was literally about to say he's a jobber yes will yes <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, the first thing in, like, FF8 is, right, you know, you like, is Ivrit, right? Like I was going to mention it. Yeah, he's yeah. literally the one you, they send students to fight. Right, and then, you know, he's, he's like, oh, they have Shiva? And then that's kind of the end of the fight. Like, yeah, you just, yeah. you smoke him. Um, you smoke that man like a fine cigar. But, yeah. Which, six- like, granted, you know, Squall is not a pushover in 8. Like, he's a student. He's still strong. He's really strong, but yeah. Sure, but you're sending your school the, students as a midterm against a guardian fight, force. Yeah, to fight exactly. fucking Efreet. It's like yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jobber. yeah that, that, Jobber, straight up. It's just straight up Jobber status. So anyway, the Titan fight is incredibly impressive, and I'm I'm looking forward to like jumping into detail. But please, Brian, tell us what you think about Final Fantasy 16. Please do. So um, I I'm I'm just gonna say fun freaking stuff. I really really like this game. Uh, I am playing Aliens and I am really enjoying myself, but before I tore myself away, like I had to tear myself away from Final Fantasy 16 to play it. Like I wanted to keep playing FF16, but I'm like, well, other people are not ready for the spoiler cast, so I'm going to put this on the back burners and focus on Aliens for a little while, which is great. I'm loving Aliens as well, but I was really feeling FF16. The heart um, wants what it wants. It does. It does. It does. And it wants and FF16 right now. It it's a it first. Wants, it wants smoking sexy style. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it wants to be playing PS5, which is crazy. Will, if, if I had told you two months ago that you and I would both be like champing at the bit to bust out our PS5s to play a game, would you have believed me? No, I would have thought you were a pod person. Yeah, that's true. But it, it But lo and behold... It is true. It is true. It is, true. It, it is a. It is what we say in the business is a good ass video game. It uh, is indeed, and it's also a video uh, a video game ass video game, which we which we love. Um, one one note that I that I really wanted to say, which from the story uh, standpoint, I think will will appreciate this. Um, 
a lot of Final Fantasy games um, take place where the plot happens to the characters. And there is an element of that. But Clive is the exceedingly rare Final Fantasy and even video game protagonist where uh, Clive is making decisions that move the plot forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. And, oh, well, we just lost. We lost your video. No. Is it back? I I still see him, so it might be on your end. Yeah. Really? I I lost the stream doesn't see you. Okay, there we go. Okay, all right, yeah. But, yeah. (gasps) Thanks for the follow, Jarrett, you wonderful, glorious human being. For real. Shoutouts to you. Oh, man. But, yeah, it is. It is. I appreciate how video gamey it is. And I also appreciate, like, like you said, like, Clive's level of, like, I am... One of my favorite Final Fantasy parties is Final Fantasy V because Final Fa- like a lot of Final Fantasy parties like have that moment where they're like we're sad, we need to talk about our feelings. Yeah. FF5's party is like, fuck that, we are getting shit done. Like they are the most efficient dudes. And, and I need to kill yeah, this I'm, tree. Watch, I'm me. gonna kill this fucking tree right now. How dare you? Right, like they are just so if like they are very much like we have a job. We are not being paid by the hour. We are gonna go do it. Um and. With a couple of exceptions that make sense for the purposes of the story, uh, where you have to help characters kind of solve their problems, FF16 is very much a. It's a nice looking mother crystal you've got there. Be a shame, be a if, shame something if something happened, happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> be a shame if I got into my big ass fire monster and then smashed it. You yeah. know? And, and that's. But I like that because it has this really nice sense of momentum so that when it does slow down and you do spend time in the hideaway and you are doing side quests and you're hanging out with the other characters, it feels like this is nice, right? Because you know as soon as you go back in, it's going to be like, all right, shit is going to happen. We are going to get things done. Yeah. We are in position. We are launching. Yeah. It's, 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 It's interesting because there is, like, there is one character that, like, gets things moving that gets the plot kind of, that gets the, the mechanism of the game in motion. But once that happens, um, one of the things that I really appreciate, because like if you look at Final Fantasy VII, Cloud is not really an active participant in it. Like, well, he's a participant. He's not a driver. He's not the one that's doing things. Sephiroth is doing Sephiroth, things. Yeah. Barrett is doing things. You know what I mean? Like, Barrett moves Avalanche forward and, Cl- and Cloud just kind of gets like, he agrees to it, and then he gets caught up in it. Sephiroth is a mover and shaker. Rufus is even a bigger mover and shaker than Cloud is. Um, and the same is is like kind of true of Eight. Uh, I think Zidane is like more of a kind of like proactive protagonist. Um, At least to start off with, yeah. Yeah, Squall has to be dragged kicking and screaming towards the plot. Yeah, and, and dot, th- dot, this dot, is whatever. This isn't true of Titus in 10, but Titus isn't even the protagonist. He's just the player character. Yuna is the protagonist. What are you talking about, man? This is his story. Come on. <laughs> this is... I mean, I think he says this is our story. Wait, he does says he say this is, this is my story? He says this is my story. Um, anyways, anyways, but you, you get the idea. Listen to Clive my story. Is, it's maybe last chance, yeah. This may literally, be the last open, chance, yeah. literally the first voice acted lines in a Final Fantasy game. Oh, God. Final <laughs> Fantasy X. So good. So good. Official but, FF to FF of the uh, platformers podcast. You heard it here first. It's and true. It's week. true. 
But even as even as proactive as Titus is in that story, he's not the reason why the pilgrimage is happening. He's not. The, he makes several key decisions, or he he convinces Yuna of several key decisions. Once you get to Xanarkand, once you meet Yuna Leska, like Titus and Yuna are making decisions together. But before then, Orin is a mover and shaker. Seymour is a mover and shaker. Yuna is a mover and shaker. Like there's the whole church. There's like a bunch of things. He's not the one that's making this happen. Beyond like, you know, Sid early on, Clive is a big like person moving this forward, making sea change in this world. And I love that. Like, I really like the fact that Clive is taking things into his own hands, being really proactive and being the change that he wants to see in the world, because that's unusual just in games in general. You know, you look at, you know, you look at the mass effect games and it's like, yeah, you're a specter and you can do these things, but you were set on this path by somebody else. And then you kind of just follow threads You're as chasing they antagonists go. as opposed yeah, yeah. to yeah. being proactive. Shepard especially is like a very reactive character. Like, bad thing happens, Shepard tries to go fix it. Clive is, after a certain point, like, let's go break stuff. I'm tired yeah, of I am things. the bad thing. Yeah, I am the, the thing for the that, status is gonna, quo, yeah. <laughs> that is going to break stuff and change the way the world works. Um, He's a which, disruptor. <laughs> yeah, in a good way, which is... Uh, uh, yeah. Fairly rare for a Final Fantasy main character, and not just you know Cloud and Squall and, and Titus, and but like just in general, that really doesn't happen very much. A lot of the times, yeah. they are kind of audience surrogates for a good chunk of the the runtime that are, are just there to be part of the ride. Yeah. And it's very rarely rocking the boat, you know. Yeah, but Clive is very much like cool, I will get in my big monster and break the world. And that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I like, I like it a lot. And I like the, um, you know, this has been commented on elsewhere, but uh, it's the supporting cast is smaller than other games. But I think that that lets the supporting cast get more attention, uh, which I think generally serves the game well. Um, I, I don't I don't like it, it is interesting because I don't love a lot of the other characters. Like there are definitely like I love Sid. I love Clive. Everyone loves um, Sid. Yeah. Um like there are, you know Good year to be Ralph Ennison. It is that is true. The year of Ralph Ennison. But like I, I really like some of the uh, antagonist characters. I'm going to get into this in the spoiler cast, but like I thought they were doing something with Benedicta and then they did something else. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate what they did, but I definitely was like excited to see them do a similar thing that they've done previously. Let's say in the past seven games with this character, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that during the spoiler cast. Um, yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah, but uh, but I think I think it's cool. Um, I I really dig I really dig it. Like it's um, I think that the economy is weird. Um, I'm upgrading swords way more often than I'm upgrading other things. I haven't gotten a good belt. I just got a really great belt, uh, but I've been using the same belt that the game just gives me, and the same bracers that the game just gives me for 
a really long time. And so it feels very strange to be, you know, defeating these enemies, getting these, like, crafting materials, and then just not being able to do anything with them. From it's the kind outside of the looking in, this is basically the largest complaint everyone has had, is that the crafting system is tacked on and pointless. The equipment system is not great. And it's... Yeah, it's just, like, yeah. m- meaningless upgrade that you need to do for, you know, for number to go up, but otherwise, like, there's very little decision-making. There's a lot of random stuff where you'll go through extra loops to get a sword, which you then replace without ever having swung it, and shit like that. And it's like, yeah, this yeah. was... It feels like this is a system that was tacked on either due to legacy concerns or they wanted, you know, they wanted it, but it's like this is not something that probably should have been in there in its current state, so... Which doesn't make sense for legacy concerns because in the old games, you literally just found stuff and then put it on. Yeah. Like, that's that's just how it worked. That was the like reward for exploration stuff. and fighting stuff, yeah. Exactly, yeah. which I, I wish it was that way now. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing, right, is like... I think the complaint is interesting because people are like, oh, like, you know, the, the gear, it's like Final Fantasy has never really had good gear systems, um, at least yeah. not in the, the single-player games, right? Like, it's like... I think 9 is my favorite way that it's been done. Or nine and seven, I think. Nine yeah, is good six. because it ties specifically into the um, job and skill the system skills. so yeah. directly. So, yeah. Yeah, and 7R also does a good job because, like, there isn't really a best sword for most of the game. There's just kind of, like... This sword does it, this it, thing and allows you. It to do links this. into how it enables your your materia and stuff like that. So like there is yeah, that synergy where it's like expression. I've got, yeah, I've got I've got a, a sword with five or six slots, so I can put more materia in it, but none of them are linked. So it's like if I'm not if I if I just want more functions, but I don't care how they interplay with each other, then I can do that. Like that that sort of a thing where it's like less about the damage that you do and more about like how it enables your other abilities and skills. But Decision like making that, and build craft, yeah. But these are totally yeah. separate in sixteen, so like it doesn't that doesn't have any effect on it. So I, I, I really don't think that it would the game would have lost anything from just being like, oh, you're just going to find this sword. You're just going to find this piece of equipment. Because, first of all, there's less equipment that you're using than there was in previous games. Actually, that might not be true because you have three accessory slots, but you also only have one character that you're equipping. So I guess it's still, you know, on scale less than you would be doing previously. Yeah, Um, and I think the thing that bothers me about it is, like, the upgrade system isn't very fleshed out. Like, you get, like, your your green items, right? And you can upgrade them. But then you go, yeah. like, you get your purple items or your blue items. Can't upgrade those. And it's like, well, those are cool looking. And also, like, generally have story significance. Why can't I upgrade my cool things? And Dude, then... I thought the same thing. When I got my freaking, like, when I got, like, a big, like, story moment sword, I was like, I want to use this sword for the rest of the game. But and it's can't. like, nah, you can't upgrade this at all. At all. Like, you wow, can't do anything sucks. with it. And, it. and it's... And it's the same way with kind of the uh, the armor as well. And it's what it comes down to is there just becomes like a very clear best answer. And it's yeah. like, right, like this is the best sword that I have. It gives me the most damage. The sword doesn't give me anything except damage. There's no reason to use anything else except, you know, unless I just really like this sword and don't mind spending a little bit more time in combat because I'm not going to do as much damage. Same thing with the, uh, with the items, really. And then the only thing that you really get to make interesting choices with is the accessories. And even then, it's kind of like... Yeah. This does more damage. This gets you more, like, limit break. It's not really changing things functionally so much as making it better at stuff that you already do. Yeah. Hey, so. we got a new follower. Fusion Banter Podcast just followed us. Thank you very much, guys. Shoutouts. Thank you. Yes. 
yeah, it it sucks. And like, because I got the like, I got a, a key to review this game, and I got they gave me the digital deluxe edition, which I think is the reason why I have these two. But I have two epic. Uh, accessories, one of which increases my experience by 10%, and the other which increases my generated gill by 25%. So I've just had those two on the whole game, which means that I'm missing out on defensive and offensive accessories. I just got one, which is the Berserker Ring, which I fucking love. Yeah, Which is, when I get, if I do a precision dodge, it basically puts me in semi-prime state for like 10 seconds, which is awesome. Like, I love it. Particularly because... I like I upgraded my precision dodge to max so I have a more forgiving window on it. So like now I'm like very honed in on like I want to do my regular combos and then the moment that I see that an attack is coming, I'm going to try to dodge it and then counterattack. Um so it's led to like a very interesting rhythm that I'm going through which is nice. Like I really like that. Particularly because, you know, like like uh, Will has discussed previously, like it's not as deep as Devil May Cry, but there are more things that you can do unlike Devil May Cry. Like, you can do more things at, at once, I think, um, based on the way that the icons and stuff work, um, yeah. which I definitely have my favorite now. Um, and uh, I I have tried to like Garuda, but the, 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 the secondary effect of the main ability for Garuda, I really don't like. So Phoenix has become, like, my go-to. Phoenix with like with like additional Ifrit abilities and stuff has been like my go-to, mm-hmm. uh, but being able to rotate between like three different sets has been like a lot of fun. Um, I still think that this game, like so many other games, bosses have too much health and they are not in uh, like engaging or interesting enough. I actually feel like I am probably in the minority where like I've heard a lot of praise for the boss fights in this game. I actually think that the boss fights in this game are kind of tedious. Like, I like them, and I'm having fun with them, but I feel like they, they... There was a certain point, like, when you get to the first... Was it the boss fight at the first Mother Crystal? I forget where it was. There was, like, one point where I was like, this is the point where, like, the difficulty in the game went up, like, significantly. And, like, I started dying to bosses just because, like, they would... Either the, the screen would be too busy and I couldn't tell when an attack was coming... And then I got hit while I couldn't see uh, for, like, all of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, I would just get into a position where I was trying to heal, but while I was healing, I got killed and, and I got, like, comboed and killed or something. Um, but, like, there started to get to a point where, like, basically every major boss fight, I was dying for a reason that didn't feel, like, good. And then I changed up the way that I did my combos and stuff, and, like, it's gotten a bit better, and I've been doing more damage and stuff like that. But um, I've started to wonder, like, maybe do I need to do these, like, take off these accessories that are giving me more resources and start to be like, okay, I want more defense, I want more offense, like, this sort of stuff. But they definitely That's do feel typically boring. where you're at, yeah, I think. They feel spongy to me, which is, like, a problem in, like, almost every game, I think. Um, There's but, a fine also, balancing act to it. It's like, here is the boss prove that you can do it and it's like cool you have proven that you can do it now the boss is only at half health though it's like okay fine yeah or they refill and then i'm like jesus i used all of my resources to get through this section like why do you get to refill your health and then you don't do me but then one of the things that i like is that unless you're doing uh hunt like hunt challenges 
in which case they actually push you back to like your previous like teleport location, which in my case, they teleported me across the map. It was like a thing. It was the closest spawn point, but it was across a gap where you had to run all the way around. And I was, oh man, I was mad. I was mad because it was just like, okay, so I might as well just teleport back and then do the entire run again. Sucked. Mm -hmm. But anyways, typically when you're retrying a boss, they give you all your stuff back and then you get to keep some of the damage, which is nice. But uh, you hit yeah, it's points. uh yeah, you hit breakpoints, which I, I, I think is, is good. The combat early on is pretty bare bones, but like it gets it gets good when you like actually look into your kind of abilities and you can like alternate. I don't know if you do this well, but I've been alternating like melee attacks and spell casting, so it's like hit, cast, hit, cast, yes, hit, cast, cast, hit, cast, yeah. and then precision sick, which yep. you tipped me off to. Yep. Launch um, them into the air and do your air combo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a strict launcher outside of Garuda, which is a little annoying. Um, there, like there's a, I definitely just want to hold square like I did in Devil May Cry 4. There, there is a way to actually do that. So uh, for anybody else who's playing FF16, you might be like, where are my launchers? Um, if you hold down your uh, square button to charge your flaming sword and then you jump and release it, that will be a launcher. Oh, and okay. It will also, uh, with Precision Sick, you can also do the basic just charged hit and then have Torgal Precision Sick after that and you get a launcher. Okay, okay. So, uh, Precision Sick, yeah, makes almost everything that, like, would not normally be a launcher, like um, Rising Phoenix, right? Like, the big wing swing, like, the very first ability you get, if you Precision Sick after that, it can be a launcher. Okay. smaller enemies. Okay. Yeah, so that's the way that I'll, I'll probably, like, extend stuff from from now on, but, but yeah. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. It's really good. Um... Yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot more about this in the uh, in the spoiler cast, but yeah, it's it's uh it's a good game. It's, it's a good game. video game. Twenty twenty three is really shaping up to be like one of the one of the better years for games in recent memory. Yeah, it's 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 got some all it's got some all timer uh, energy. Yeah, and uh, we're not even done, right? Like, there's gonna be a lot more crazy stuff that comes out. So well, we're in dry July, but in August there's like three major things all contained. We're just over yeah. half. We're literally just over halfway, and there are still some huge games coming out. One thing I will say that I was disappointed in, when I fought my first dragon in FF16, I was like, wait, I expected this to be better. And I was remembering how godlike the dragon fights are in Elden Ring. And I was like, oh, this is what I was expecting, and this just FF16 just doesn't measure up. But to be fair, it's hard to pretty, much no, pretty much nobody beats an Elden Ring dragon fight. It's just... Yeah. Even past FromSoft couldn't beat that. Like Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2's Ancient Dragon, terrible fight. They didn't get good at dragon fights until the DLC of Dark Souls 2. And then Dark Souls 3, arguably, the dragon fights are, depending on who you ask, if you ask me, they're great. But if you ask somebody else, they're awful. But anyways. Yes. But anyway, the long and short of it is Final Fantasy 16 is quite good. And, it uh, is. And I recommend it. Yes. And I am further along than Brian is, and I'm still having a really good time. And uh, I'm really curious to see what happens next. And I want to play it more, yeah. but I'm working on other things, so I can't. Sad face. Yeah. My condolences. Yeah, it's, it's rough. Chris, have you been playing anything of interest that you would like to talk about this week? 
Um, well, it's hard to say, because at the moment, nothing... I'm not playing anything current, because, like, obviously I was dabbling last week in the uh, Baldur's Gate 3 Early Access, that's coming out soon. I haven't continued that since, because my co-op partner has had an injury and hasn't been able to do that, um, and amidst other things. Um, so what I've actually... most of what I've been doing has actually been going back to older games, um, mostly RTS games because I'm always looking for a good RTS game and no one is releasing them ever. So every so often it's like I'm just going to boot up a, a StarCraft or what have you and just replay a campaign or do some kind of challenge or dabble in the co-op in StarCraft 2 which is great and more people need to do that. Oh, the co-op um, is so good. It's so good. But uh, that's not what I was doing here. This time I was actually... I was going back to other games that I hadn't gotten through completely, and so I've been playing a lot of Total Annihilation. Have either of you played that one? Yes. Mm -mm. Yes. Okay, Total Annihilation played Supreme is Commander. wild. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever played Supreme Commander, it's that, but like six years beforehand, and a little more unrefined. But it's uh, it's great fun. <laughs> That's It's just... The le the scale of that game it just gets ridiculous, and I know again they improved it in Supreme Commander and such, but like the whole idea is like no no you're building this massive macro engine to just churn churn massive amounts of armies that just go in and cause absolute chaos and havoc, and it's it's great fun. It's um yeah so that's basically what I've been doing. I've been playing a lot of Total Annihilation and a few other things here and there, but yeah just maligning the fact that um, the RTS is dead, we don't get enough modern RTS, it's worth the salt. Other than that, though, nothing really current. Again, everything is holding a pattern until Baldur's Gate 3 when all bets are off, so... Yeah. Ugh. What I, yeah, which, I, which I've, I've recently discovered I am going to be playing for a view, which I'm so oh, yes, nervous about! I'm so nervous. I've got your and back. Anything you need assistance for, I will provide, because I know what you've been assigned as a daunting task, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, apparently they came out and said there are 17,000 endings for this game, which has to be... It's like, ending. It's going to be ending slides and variations thereof, right? It's going to be multiplicative, where it's like, okay, the ending is going to be specific based on every character you have in your party and every alignment that you could be and every class that you could be, and it's probably going to be based on that because there's like, there's no way. Or then I doubt like, it's going a, to be as significant or meaningful like, yeah. as like you know something with a lot of actual, you know, modified endings <laughs> like Pyre, for example. Given as that, as yeah. as meaningful as the endings. In let's say, you know, since we talked about it earlier, Mass Effect Three. How about that? It's not yeah, going to be as meaningful I'm, as that. There's no way they could hit that level of. Uh, 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 you won't just choose a door, guys. <laughs> it won't be a color. We promise. We said after we had already specifically locked in the writing, just that. Yo, the greatest yeah. lie ever told. <laughs> to their, to our faces, to, to your faces, to our faces. That's they just straight up said it to everybody's the audacity faces. The of this bitch. That like expected everyone, I guess, to forget about it or like be like, well, game development's hard. Actually, we're not mad that we, you know, if if they had just been like, yeah, it's it's gonna be one of those things. Like you know, taking that many choices into account is it's too hard. You're gonna have to make a major decision. Like that's just reality. If they had just said that, people would have been a lot less upset. But they didn't. And it's I mean, that's the reason because, why people bought yeah. into it. 
and i remember sitting here being like no this is not possible i'm sorry chris go ahead now the major the major thing about it is that it doesn't matter what you pick before the extended endings and adjustments of everything you saw every single mass relay explode which kills which, everybody. Which they seem to have forgotten that when you did that one time in the DLC for two, it wipes out the solar system. So you just watched every meaningful world in this galaxy and everyone in it get wiped out, regardless of your choice. It's like this is this is horrible. This is terrible. Why would that that's the big thing that really pissed me off. It's like it doesn't matter what you picked, the mass relays die, everyone is scattered, galaxy is over as you know it. That's it. That was the true I mean, fallacy of it. But hey, that's the reason why we had to go to Andromeda. Come on. Mass Effect it's 3. All, it's all totally, totally wonderful, right? Isn't yeah, it that's why. that's why Mass Effect 4, whenever they get around to that after Dragon Age 4, is going to be back and going to have Shepard probably. And Game of Thrones level of franchise suicide. Yeah, it's uh Yeah. Who has a greater story than Shepard? Anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's it's hard out here. <laughs> it's, it's been not, a decade yeah. and I'm still mad. <laughs> but guess what? It's twenty twenty three. We got better games to play than that. We yeah, do. we do. So, oh. uh Will, Will, what did you want to talk about this week before I get into a preview for a game that we're going to review. That, a preview for a game that I've beaten that we're going to review on the show in two weeks. Uh, I am going to hold off on my other thing that I wanted to talk about besides Dark Descent and FO16 until uh, next week. Provided okay. we do not do a spoiler cast. So you will just have to wait and see, party people. Um, but okay. it is cool. I shall suffer in the not knowing. It's, uh, it's a game where you play as a dude named Dave and you go diving. And uh, it's pretty oh. And I'm not going to uh-huh. talk about it beyond that. So nice. go ahead, Brian. Uh, I'm not going to talk very much about this because I am going to have one, potentially two guests on the show to talk about this, uh, depending on If this thing is the game I think it is, then yeah, we're going to, we have some things to say. We're going to do it up. Oh, have you, have you played it? I have put a little bit of time into it. Not okay. as much as I would like. Okay. There's another uh, one I'll be sitting out, but I've been loving watching the back and forth about it. So, yeah, so go for it. <laughs> so, uh, so I played and beat uh, Double Dragon Gaiden: Rise of the Dragons, um, which I cannot review and I cannot put a score to right now, but I can uh, preview and give you my impressions. And my impressions are largely very positive. Uh, it does have some issues, but. Um, I like the fact that it is a, uh, you know, Will, Will and I have been talking about side-scrolling beat-em-ups for a while because there have been, uh, man, people have really been bringing back some classics. What a, uh, what a, what a genre, man. What a yeah. genre. And it's in, having a resurgence, apparently. In, in recent years, the, the new entries in this genre have been like re- absurd they've been like it's it is shocking how good they have been like mm-hmm. streets of rage 4 is damn near a perfect game it is one like, of the best beat-em-ups ever made yeah i have heard tmnt shredder's revenge is a damn near perfect game and one of the best at will what is it what uh, is it the, also the sequel to uh, toads in time that we never got until just now yeah and I would, I would say, 
one of the best beat em ups ever made. One of the best beat em ups uh, ever made, yes. And uh, shockingly, and I think the other cool thing is we're also having like a resurgence of retro beat em ups, right? Again, yeah. In like these River City getting... Girls is a is is like a new thing based on an old thing that apparently I have not played River City Girls one or two, but I've heard they're great. I played yeah. the first one and it is very good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, Capcom released one of their beat em up collections. Like, there's a lot of old games that are being uh, re released on platforms. Uh, so that they are available for people to play. So it's really cool to see a genre that has been for a long time very niche, very, like, coin-op, very arcade. Like, if you're not into those scenes, you're probably not going to enjoy these games. Start to get, like, bigger appeal. Yeah, it's 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 been awesome. And a great thing is that, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if we're going to have time to talk about this, but, you know, Xbox and Game Pass has been in the news uh, lately, and both of those games were available on Game Pass, uh, to my recollection. Streets of Rage and TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Yes, um, correct. And, yes, and, and those games really benefit from having online multiplayer. And um, I don't think this one does. I think it's just local. But Double Dragon Gaiden Rise of the Dragons is another entry in that that I think is like worthy of coming back. It has some some pitfalls, but I think it also introduces some interesting things that I've not seen uh, in other beat 'em ups. For example, the crowd control system, uh, which I think is super super cool. So one of the big problems that you'll encounter and that you have to solve inside scrolling beat 'em ups is longevity of your character. Like running out of health is something that either you're gonna have like multiple lives like in streets of rage four and you come back on and then everybody gets knocked out and you can start again or something like that. But double dragon Gaiden goes about this in a different way. It is if you, if you simultaneously defeat three or more enemies, you'll get a healing item. If you do uh, three enemies, you'll get uh, an item that gives you 25 health. If you do four enemies at a time, it'll give you 50 health. And if you defeat five or more enemies at a time, it'll give you an, a, a turkey, which will give you 100 health, which is basically your entire health bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really incentivizes you to save your special moves, uh, know your special moves, know which ones can take out multiple people at once, and then use those in such a way uh, to help yourself kind of keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is also a tag system. So you, you pick two characters for your team and you'll bounce back and forth between those. They have blue health that will slowly heal when they're not uh, on the screen, like Dragon Ball Fighters or a bunch of other games like that. Um, and also they have like, you know, out of the gate, you have four characters. You've got the brothers, uh, Jimmy and Billy. And then you've also got Marion and uh, Marion's, I think, Uncle Martin, uh, who is like a big, like a buff military guy who can like grab people and slam them on the ground. Marion has a gun. And then the brothers are different versions of like Shoto characters from fighting games. So one of them has like a really long kind of like Chun-Li like leaping DP kick. The other one has like a kind of standard dragon punch uppercut. Um, and they both have like different abilities. You got jumping attacks that can knock people down to the ground. You've got like certain characters have like really great area of effect, like crowd control stuff. For example, one of Marion's special moves is she's got a rocket launcher, and if it hits anybody, it does a bunch of damage in a in a 
like in an area, which is fantastic for, you know, oh, I'm going to wait until all of my enemies group up and then blast them with this rocket and get a turkey or so, or a hamburger for four or a hot dog for three on crowd mm-hmm. control. And that wrinkle made it really interesting. Um, it, it also made certain parts really frustrating when the game like will give you waves and they'll give you like two characters, like two enemies at a time. And it's like, well, I, I really want to heal up but I have to kill these two to get the next wave. And maybe the next wave is not, is going to have two more. So I still can't, you know, get myself a healing item, but you know, managing that sort of a thing. And then the granular difficulty, which I thought was interesting, uh, which is like, you can change your, your currency generation, um, your, like the health and aggression of enemies, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Uh, and you'll see, okay, this is going to, um, they, they, they also interact with two other systems. One is the continue system, which mm-hmm. costs money that you get whenever you defeat an enemy with a special ability, uh, you get money from them or you get money from, uh, finishing like multiple enemies or finishing levels or doing different things like this. Or you can find them in the environment. Like you destroy a barrel and there's like a gold bar in there. You get some money in there. So every time you have to continue, it costs more and more and more and more until it can get like prohibitively expensive, which is one of the reasons why I couldn't beat the game the first time I got to the final boss. I got down to like, uh, the final boss was at like a fifth of their health. And then it got to the point when it cost like 7,000 gold to continue. And I only had like 500 or something. And that feels bad, but at the same time, getting to that point uh, it, it felt nice because it was, okay, if I'm almost done with this fight and I die, I can just keep going. It isn't like, oh, you have three continues and that's it. It's mm-hmm. like, well, really, you can change the difficulty such that you can have, like, you, you can earn more money and then that money will go further and give you more continues than you would have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also changes your conversion rate when you end your run because this is also kind of like a roguelite, you know, um, when you end your run, your currency is converted at a certain exchange rate into tokens, which will unlock permanent things. A lot of these are just like stuff for fun. So like it'll be music or it'll be like tips, like game tips, which is like very, I would never do that. But it also <laughs> unlocks p- new playable characters, including bosses from the game. So one of the things that I did was I saved up and got the most expensive character. And the most expensive character... Uh, like the first row of characters is like, I think like five or 10 tokens a piece. The second row is 20 tokens. The top character that you can get is 50 tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saved up for that and unlocked that. And the next time I played through the game, I beat it. Um, that character is that good. It still didn't mean that it wasn't hard, like at the end or that I, you know, I didn't have like touch and go stuff, but, um, you know, you do have options for making things a little bit easier for yourself. Teaming up your characters where, like, if you have Marion, Marion uses a gun. So if you have a character that's really good up close and personal, and then you have her, if you get two people that are difficult to go toe-to-toe with, you switch to her, you back off, and you just shoot them from across the screen. Mm-hmm. So there are different strategies that that I have not had in most games. Like, the closest I would have got to this is I played Donatello in Shredder's Revenge, and he has he just has better range than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I've never played a 
you know, a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up where I could literally just go to the other side of the screen and shoot people. Uh, which is like, it's just, it's just different. Now, when people get up close and personal, she has a hard time. But if you can manage that, then, you know, it's great. Um, but yeah, like we're, we're, we're going to talk uh, more about this uh, later. And I'm curious to see if Will has anything he wants to add to that. But, uh, but I, th- I think it is interesting. And I think that it, it, it changes more things than a lot of the either remastered or new uh, versions in a classic franchise have done in recent years, which, which I find, although I, I think generally I land on it being like kind of a less, uh, not less compelling. I find it less, I guess, faultless or, uh, less well-rounded than the other entries, but it's also doing new stuff in the ways that others aren't, which I respect and also kind of goes a long way for me. I'm curious what, what Will has to say in a preview context. Uh, I think, honestly, you touched on everything I wanted to talk about, so I don't want to, like, belabor the podcast and then listen, make the people listen to the uh, stuff the same way twice. I do think the way that it's doing, like you said, kind of, like, dealing with the the legacy stuff is very interesting, and when I have spent more time with it, when we do the review, I'm, I'm eager to talk about that, but as of right now, Ryan, I think you've got it. I think you covered it. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. I'm the only opinion that you need to hear on this game. I mean, he's, he's correct on this one. Like, what can I say, you know? <laughs> The man has good taste in beat-em-ups. If he says... That's true. He, he is a fellow... He uh, yeah, he's a fellow Streets of Rage enjoyer. He's a fellow uh, Toads in Time 2 enjoyer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's good. It's a good one to, to keep your eye on. I'm trying to... Let me see. Double Dragon Guide Rise of the... When is it coming out? When is it coming out? Uh, I think it said it's coming out on the 27th. Yeah, planned release date July twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. So next so, week. Yeah, yeah, so that is uh, next Thursday. So we don't record until the Friday after that. So the planned discussion, review discussion for this is on the thirty first, Monday the thirty first uh, show. So I am excited about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, all I can say right now is I recommend it. Uh, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty more uh, when that time comes. So, but yeah, I recommend it. Is there anything else that we want to touch on before we close it out for this week? That's all I got. No? Well, I think that covers just about it. Do we want to touch on the FTC stuff, or is that too big a topic? I think that's too big of a topic. Uh, I think yeah. we can. I think we can briefly do it, if you want to. If you want to spend, like, maybe five minutes just telling the people what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, you want to leave it? Or you want sure. to take it away? Uh, take it let's away? do it. Let's do it. We'll, we'll do a, a lighting round of it, I guess. Yeah. So um, basically, Microsoft won the won the rights to acquire Activision Blizzard. And many a takes on the internet are, you know, talking about the good, the bad, the ugly. Me, it's mostly ugly. Like, yeah, everyone's like, yeah, we can get rid of Bobby Kotick. It's like, yeah, you can at the cost of consolidating even more power, resources, developer talent, IP, etc. into the hands of a mega corporation. Like, Microsoft may be nicer than some, but it's not a good thing. This is not a good thing to have happened. Just because Bobby Kotick may go out, just because conditions yeah, may improve <laughs> in the short term for Activision Blizzard, like, the conditions are already 
improving somewhat at Activision Blizzard to what we know. The executive class is still absolute trash, but like yeah. certain games of theirs do have, you know, there is improvement in terms of which voices are being heard, management, you know, being pushed back where needed. There's improvement there for all the work that still needs to be done. That is not a cause for therefore saying that Microsoft coming in and giving some of them the boot potentially is going to be a better situation. And yeah. the cost is way too damn high, even in the best case scenario. So this is terrible. I think it's bad. This shouldn't have gone through. But um, yeah, the arguments for why it was, you know, Sony. The FTC made a piss poor yeah. argument and focused on yeah. the wrong issues. Um, Completely. And, and Sony it, only it was you know, put their lose, foot yeah. further in their mouth every time they spoke about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <sighs> uh, it was one of those things. It was just like, so I'm going to kind of agree with Chris and that I think that it was maybe not the best thing in the world that this is going through. However, uh, my counter argument is that unlike Activision, Microsoft is a real company um, yeah. They can't just abuse their workers all the time. Like they will, you know, like they will. There will be consequences for that. Where there's not yeah. consequences for Activision, um, and Microsoft also apparently treats their employees much, much better. So for the people who are going to now work for Microsoft and not have to deal with, I'm assuming most of the people at Activision who one assumes Microsoft is just going to clean house and I fire hope. Mo- yeah. most of those. We can people. certainly hope. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but that I, may be I, I have short-term known... improvements is the issue compared to the long-term potential consequences because on a long enough time frame, any publicly traded company is going to get worse because the number has to go up. It's just the nature of the beast. And you yeah, can only yeah. get the number to go up somewhere. Eventually, it's like if we cannot produce more, we cannot get more resources, then we cut costs. And that goes from not the executive class ever, from the people below, always. So only a matter yeah. of time yeah i think i think that's probably true i think it is less likely to happen at microsoft just because the company is so profitable and does so many things this is a trillion dollar company yeah you know they it's have, a, long, they have it's a longer time frame, a lot of areas, that's for yeah. sure yeah like every, like windows is still like the biggest operating system like you know people use their cloud services people use a lot of the stuff that microsoft makes for good reason Right, it's everywhere. It's fairly easy to use. Well, you can argue about whether it and they're, they're, it's they're good services. Yeah, like, for the most even if we're talking yeah. about even if we're talking about Xbox, like Xbox, uh, in the console landscape, like I think it's not really up for debate. Xbox offers the best services. Yeah, I like, think that's, that's true. Just, yeah, the online infrastructure and Game Pass is still a ridiculously good deal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think. Is it a reasonable concern? Yes. Um, however, I think that it's also just kind of a fairly unique position where, like, could Microsoft do some bad things? Absolutely. Have they done bad things in the past? Absolutely. Do I think the Xbox division is going to necessarily do really bad things with these people or with these IPs or whatever? I, I just, I don't think so. Not in the like, short term. No. Yeah. That, I'll and, give you... That is certainly it. My concerns are larger in the grand scheme of, you know, just mega corporation consolidation. It's like, this is not what we need. This is definitely not what we need. But, you know, short-term improvement? Yeah, probably. Hopefully. And and I I think it's also, like, it's very interesting because I I feel like, and maybe this is me Monday morning quarterbacking, and maybe I'm wrong. 
But to me, what this feels like is like in a vacuum, they wouldn't have done this. But like it's come out during discovery for this case that Sony tried to acquire exclusivity for Starfield. They tried to acquire exclusivity for Call of Duty. They've gotten platform advantages for all of these things. All of the things that people said in court, what if Microsoft does this? PlayStation has does. literally been we doing already for years. done. Yes, the yeah, only difference we, is they don't own them. Yeah, and the difference is they don't own them and they're also if you consider the narrow uh scope of like premium consoles, which I think is garbage, uh and PlayStation is in number 1. Like, you know, yeah, I the only reason we didn't hate them the same way we hated Epic doing all their exclusivity stuff is because the Epic Game Store was complete trash with no functionality, whereas the PS4, PS5, whatever has not been. It's like, yeah. oh well, it sucks that it's exclusive, but hey, I have a good library of other good stuff. The consoles are generally solid. You're better off getting those than most of the equivalents. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. Begrudging acceptance, as opposed to why Epic is just worse. So, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, but, it's, but and, as you say. But and yeah, I think the other thing is that, you know, Microsoft has talked about, like, you know, Call of Duty is going to be on PlayStation, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, maybe yeah, forever. Writing, yes. Yeah, like, they've talked about, like, you know, other things. Like, it's not like, you know, I think in terms of, like, who can play your games, Microsoft owning a company is much better than Sony owning a company. Because if Sony owns a company, it's going to be on PlayStation until like three or four years later and the port may be terrible and it then will just go to pc right microsoft is yeah. microsoft and it'll is probably not gonna, just go to epic yeah and yeah. microsoft is not going to be like yeah if we make a starcraft 3 you can't play it you have to buy an xbox that's not happening that's not going to happen there because they've been putting microsoft has been putting all of their first party games on steam which is yeah. the most ubiquitous most widely available most compatible platform for their games the current yeah. Xbox is the most unnecessary console to have ever been created because literally everything they've made is multi-platform. Yes, which is fine. It's you're that's there for good the ecosystem. For everybody else. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You're there for the ecosystem, and because you like the controller or the you know, whatever, but they're still making it available to you even if you don't. It's like, yeah, okay, we'll yeah. take your money however we can. That's fine. Yeah. 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 And yeah. the nice so thing I agree. is, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Will. Oh, my final thought was like. Because these games are cross-platform, like, you can play Sea of Thieves with your buddies on PC. You can play Halo with your buddies on PC. I'm imagining, you know, all those things are going to be continue to be true for whatever they do with the uh, IPs that they're going to acquire. And I think the other thing is, I Sony does not seem to have interest in most types of video games. Really? Really? They just want to mm, make, like, really The don't. Last of Us over and over and over again, and, like, Horizon over and over and over again. And yeah, The Prestige Sony game is all yeah. they seem to care about for the time being. There's the Prestige game. Approach of anything. And, like, if you like those games, great, more power to you. I hope you have a good time. But uh, I don't particularly like those games, and I would like to see other things. And so yeah, I think... Even if I do, like, one or two, I don't like only that game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think so, you know, if we're talking about, like, publishers buying publishers publishers buying dev studios like i would rather see not sony have those ips because at least with microsoft i believe that there's a chance that we might see them again whereas uh bungie is never going to make another single player game ever yeah unfortunately yeah so yeah so sony has their playbook and they're not trying to expand 
because it's working for them and because they're the, the Sony fans are interested in what they are doing and they are bought into what they are doing. One of the things that I said earlier that, that I, I legitimately believe is that I think that right now, uh, I think that Xbox definitely has the best spread of any platform holder. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I think that the highs are probably still highest for Nintendo when they really nail it. I think that Nintendo games are like transcendent in a way that almost no other games are. But now that they have Blizzard under their belt, Xbox might be able to match that actually. Um, and they have it depends. way more. Do you get Diablo Four Blizzard or do you get Overwatch Two Blizzard? This is well, this is the other that's end. the thing. You get, you get both. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think we, I think we're gonna get both. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think that this is interesting. And another, another potential counterpoint to this uh, that I think is interesting is that uh, Activision Blizzard was acquirable. And Microsoft is not the only big company out there that has the resources to pay that amount of money. You no. could get somebody like, you know, Tencent or something like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't, don't think know. Embracer, Embracer now. Embracer money. probably doesn't have that much money, but they have been scooping up a hell of a lot of stuff. So They've been scooping I, up smaller things. They're not going to spend true. $80 billion. I don't but, know if, God, wasn't there like a gaming branch of Alibaba? That where they like they were going into that. That's a huge, huge multimedia conglomerate overseas. Uh, so like if they decide, because I know that I think they're huge in mobile gaming and they're definitely big in like just media in general, TV and films and things like that. If they decide to get into it, then like obviously they could do that. Uh, and so the the argument of like them being owned by an American mega corporation that is. I mean, of the mega corporations, like, I I have known several people who have worked for Microsoft. All I've heard is glowing things about their benefits package, the way that they treat their employees, the way that you can just move around and kind of just do what you want uh, with your job, compared to people who have to pee in bottles at Amazon and the fact that they don't, like, pay people fair wages at Walmart. Like, pick another mega corporation and, I de- like, I, I defy you to find one where they, like, pay their people better. Unless you're talking about like a freaking Goldman Sachs or like a one of the major weapons manufacturers or something mm-hmm. like that, like as far as that goes, like I think that if we're looking at the quality of of the workers and like what Will said, like where these games are going to go and where they're going to live and how available they're going to be, Nintendo and Sony would both lock those to platforms and maybe let them loose later. I think that Microsoft is going to probably treat them the way that we as game consumers and game preservation enthusiasts would want it to be done. Like, you know, and Phil, who knows whether they'll honor this in the future, but Phil has come out and said that like with future iterations of the Xbox, he wants people to be able to believe in their purchase decisions and to know that Microsoft is going to respect those in the future, which means that they're going to try not to delist things, make things not available just lock off backwards compatibility, these sorts of things. Honor your previous generation purchases, keep it all consolidated. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, you can it hope. benefits them to say that because they're in last place and they, as Phil said when he was on the kind of funny X-Cast, they, Microsoft lost the generation that you 
absolutely did not want to lose. The most important one to lose, yeah. Yeah, which is which is the transition from from 360 to Xbox One, PS3 to PS4. Um, and so, you know, it, it behooves them to say that, but I also don't think that he's just a straight-up liar. Like, I think that that is probably their plan to do that. Because it makes sense. That's what Microsoft has done. That's what the Microsoft Store is is trying to do. Yeah, they don't have like a great storefront, but like if they put things on Steam and on their consoles and on the Microsoft Store, then like does it really matter if their storefront is bad because you can get things elsewhere? Yeah, and I I will say like, you know, as as someone who really values game preservation, um, I regret buying basically every multiplat that I ever bought on the PS3 because I have to have a PS3 to play those games because they will never Mm -hmm. ever ever be backwards compatible because that system has shit architecture. Yeah. Uh, Sony built the console and they can't figure out how to emulate it properly, um, which is crazy because the emulation scene has already figured that out. Uh, but I digress. It, took them a while, the, though. <laughs> it did. It took them a very long time. But the point being that, like, hey, uh, my digital copy of Ninja Gaiden Black plays on my Xbox Series X. Yeah, that game is twenty years old. Yeah, you gotta respect that. That's for sure. The biggest concern I always have with this kind of stuff is, yeah, that's all well and good, but when they're in first place, there is less need to innovate. There is less need to be competitive. The number must go up. This this is the problem. It's like, but that's that's just the overall ecosystem that we're in. And, you know, my poor little socialist heart can't handle it. But um, One one (laughs) thing that I would say to assuage your, your socialist heart's fears is that they they might with the way that things are going now they might be able to surpass sony i don't think there's any beating nintendo to be real yeah nintendo will always be there doing their own thing and as long as that still pertains you know has high quality high interest rate and everything like that it's like yeah then that will always be a thorn in the side of anything which has always been the case even when you know in the generations that they weren't particularly relevant like uh, you know, yeah, the Wii U and everything like that. It's just like all it takes is one good Nintendo game to come out, and everyone goes, "Hi, that's cool." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody needs to be reminded every now and then that Nintendo is the best to ever do it, and uh, they provide no shortage of reminders. Yeah. Even during the Wii U generation, the hardware sucked, but Super Mario 3D World is still one of the best Mario games to ever exist. I For like sure. Which is, which is one of the best video game franchises to ever exist (laughs) there's there's a lot of the wii u had a lot of really good games like mario kart 8 one of the better mario karts that was on the wii u um a lot of it's probably top three top three mario kart game for me yeah it's it's an excellent game and so like nintendo has the ability to do that so i think uh i i I guess this went longer than five minutes but the point i was trying to make is i agree with chris i'm not for mergers for the sake of mergers i think like everything eating everyone is not necessarily a good idea uh as someone who watches a lot of classic film um that can make rights issues really really difficult to parse uh and you know i was like watching a movie the other day and i saw the columbia logo not columbia tristar just columbia and i was like oh right that was just its own thing at one point um and so I think that mergers are, are, are very problematic and they lead to a lot of really bad stuff. In this case, I'm going to try to be optimistic. I would like Microsoft not to buy any more publishers. Um, yeah. And I would like to see less consolidation in general, which I think is going to happen because eventually AAA gaming being unsustainable is going to hit a wall and a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. 
Um, but unless they listen to us and make their games shorter, yeah, and shorter, their dev time shorter, and they release more often, make your games shorter, pay your people better, uh, lower your budgets. There's there's yeah. no reason for games to cost two hundred million dollars. Like wh- wh- they don't have to be exploitative. They don't to both the workers and the consumers. They don't. They really they don't. don't. They don't. Just, you give I'll, a good I'll product, we will show up. It's it's how it is. I'll put it this way: Control is better than basically all of those games that we were talking about, and that game cost a a fraction, a fraction of that. It's yeah, because Remedy knows how to budget. Looks. Remedy is a very, very budget because they're a small company. Yeah, they yeah. have to be budget conscious, right? They don't. Yeah. They're not owned by a big publisher. They don't have like Big Daddy Warbucks, Microsoft being like, "Here's your dollars. Here's your dollars." They don't have dollars. the safety net. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Remedy for most of their games has five dollars, a dream, and some duct tape, right? Like they have to figure out how to make it work. <laughs> so duct tape it was the same a, with Obsidian in the past, you know? Yeah. yeah, and they largely did, and people still remember, you know those games fondly because they're good games and you can do that and you know i think the other thing is like once you get into the budgets that are that big you have to make a game that appeals to everyone and uh can someone tell me where the fun is in the horizon games because you spent 200 million dollars and i don't see any fun so that's uh it's not great it's not great where did the money go marketing looks gorgeous went to marketing they tightened up the graphics on level three yeah yeah, they did. And it looks fantastic, but I don't know. I just... I, well, that, it's a good thing that you love Horizon so much because we got 16 more things coming in the Horizon universe. You'll love to see it. I, I truly love when uh, developers and publishers just go out of their way to save me money. It makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, like, I the could, best thing about that franchise uh, passed recently. So. Yeah, yeah like... I have no interest in this. You make as many as you want. Thank you for my wallet. Thanks. You guys have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of other great games, as we've been talking about, that, that, that are worth our money. So, yeah. yeah. So, I've got right. like 300 Let's... hours of Baldur's Gate 3 ahead. Like, I don't need the extra time spent elsewhere. Go away. That's fine. I'm not you, playing you... any of these 16 Horizon games because I've got 17,000 endings to get in Baldur's Gate 3. And we have, we, single one we have <laughs> listen, boys. We have bears to lay down by the fire. Okay. Oh it's yeah. It's true. It's true. Like that bear. If if the question you know is does the bear fuck the bear fucks and uh, we need to let we need to be supportive of Larian for giving the people what they want, which is uh, something I never knew I wanted, but then I saw it and I laughed so hard that I started crying. <laughs> um, so thank you, Larian. Uh, for giving us the, the sexy bear. you know, There is actually it. so much more to that scene if you go into the details and know the characters involved that is great in terms of like writing up and how good it is like as a character thing has nothing to do with the actual bear fucking. But that's what everybody latches onto and it's hilarious because yeah, but yeah, God, it's it's funny. The, la- the layers, the layers. Listen, I mean, the thing that allows you to will. use the term bear fucking in yeah. a video game is, is Le- very funny. And and literally, not literally in the, not in the like homosexual community term bear, like literally, like a grizzly bear. Like a literally shape shifted elf druid man, yes. Yes. Into a bear. He lives in the woods. That kind of bear. Um so anyway, it's funny. Thank you, Larian, for doing God's work. Uh <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry slash thank you, Mikey. Keylock uh, in the chat just sent a smiley face. 
Um, thank you, Mikey. Uh, you know, I, I just need now need someone to uh, make a video game that recreates the dolphin sex scene from Johnny Mnemonic. And uh, oh my we, god, I've never seen that movie, and now I know there's dolphin sex in it. All right, here oh. we go. Here we go. Uh, I believe I think so. Um, it's, it's been a hot minute, but I believe I I, I believe that there was dolphin sex. Fun um, fact: anyway. If you want to see do- dolphin sex, you can definitely see it on an episode of Drunk History, which you should definitely be watching because that show is amazing. Yeah, but uh, anyway, good funny things, good more funny things, please. Uh, yes, video games, good, and I think we've. I don't know. I've got We're not else. topping that. I think that's the podcast. Yeah, so right. no, <laughs> yep, that's that's it. Thank you all for joining us for episode uh, 281 of the platformers. Join us live as we record every episode at twitch.tv slash ribnax, R-I-B-N-A-X. And you can watch them later on my YouTube channel, uh, which is in the links on Twitch. And uh, I, I post that out on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash ribnax you can find me uh, at ribnax r-i-b-n-a-x at twitter instagram threads and backlogged and uh, you can find me uh at brian barnett uh b-r-i-a-n-b-a-r-n-e-t-t on blue sky uh so if you're there there you go hit me up if you have uh thoughts about the show or topics that you wanted to discuss hit us up there um, and if you like the show, please leave us a review or tell somebody about it. Uh, Chris, where can everybody find you? Hey, you can find me at my website, uh, versus the backlog, vsthebacklog.com, one word, where I, uh, write exorbitantly, you know, exorbitantly long and over the top, uh, discussions of video games and such. And, uh, that's whenever I get around to it. It's barren. I'm working on it. Promise. And, uh, yeah, that's about it really. So really involved stuff, not at all like what you do on the show here. Yeah, Certainly not. Totally not like the Diablo 4 podcast or anything. No, definitely not. Yep, completely different. Will, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ByWillBurger. That's Burger with an O, same way as it's spelled here. You can also, I'm happy to note, uh, as of today, find me on Blue Sky at Edgar Allan Bro and also on Backlogged at Edgar Allan Bro. So Nice, fun. nice. Hit me a follow. Have some fun. Uh, if you want to see some of the stuff that I'm working on, I had an interview with Alex Lotz, the, uh, one of the developers on American Hero, which is a restored, previously canceled, uh, Atari Jaguar CD FMV game from the nineties. Uh, it has been restored by, uh, Ziggurat and I think Empty Clip. I forget who the developer is, but Ziggurat is the producer who's the people that I'm talking to about it. Um, I have a big interview with him about the the production of the game, uh, or them actually. I don't know. I don't know who Alex's gender, so apologies if if I misgendered. But yeah, I I talked to them. I inter, uh, like interviewed them about that, and I also wrote like a little micro preview of the game. It is absolutely ridiculous and really really fun, and it's available on GOG in both uh, and on also I think all the major platforms. Uh, besides Steam, it is not available on Steam. They they kicked it back because of ratings and stuff like that, uh, which I do get into in my interview. Um, but it's available on Switch and I think Xbox and PlayStation and GOG in uh, rated and the unrated version, which has full nudity in it in the FMV. Uh, there is nudity and sex in this game. It is totally ridiculous. It is a complete send-up of like 80s action tropes and stuff and it is a lot of fun 
so you can also grab a key for it right now if you are an IGN Plus subscriber, which is why I got to write about it because I'm, I'm in charge of the editorial for IGN Plus. So if you have an IGN Plus account, go grab a key for the rated version on GOG, uh, or on I think I think the one that they are giving out is on Switch. Anyways, go check that out. Uh, you can find that on IGN.com. Just search IGN.com American Hero and you'll find it. Um, I also tweeted about that today, uh, but that's a lot of fun. I've got more interviews and uh, like game features and promotions and stuff like that going out on IGN. So check that out. Uh, from everybody here at the platformers, we hope you all have a wonderful week. Stay safe out there. It is until next time, we are out. Take Peace. care, everybody. And the stream.